This is the New York Sports Minute with your host, Morgan Eck. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the New York Sports Minute podcast. It is Friday, February 10th, and congratulations. You made it to Friday. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. You made it through another honestly beautiful week. I think every day this week was like 45 degrees and sunny. Um, but we have a lot to talk about on this week's podcast. It's been a tumultuous week in New York sports world and really the entire sports world with the NBA trade deadline, with the Brooklyn Nets totally restarting their franchise by getting rid of Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks, by getting rid of Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. But it's also been a big week for our New York Knicks, who brought on one of my favorite basketball players of all time, Villanova legend Josh Hart, to help them in their playoff run. So we'll get through all the NBA content. And then we also have you know, the biggest football game of the year. The Super Bowl is on Sunday. The Chiefs are taking on the Eagles. And if you just kind of talk to different New Yorkers, everyone is seemingly rooting against the Eagles because the Eagles are obviously the Giants' rival and just I think the entire city is pulling for the Chiefs. So we'll get through that. But there's a lot to talk about. And so to make my life a little bit easier, I brought on my good friend Dan to come back on the show He's going to help me through the NBA trade deadline because he's a diehard Nets fan and really wanted to get on the podcast to speak through the entire Nets fan base. And then we'll also get into the other trades that happen in the NBA and, of course, get into our predictions on what's going to happen on Super Bowl Sunday. So with that, let's jump right into the interview. Hey, taxi. All right. What's up, everyone? Very excited to have a good buddy of mine back to the show. That is Dan from New Jersey. We got a lot to get through today, but Dan, how you doing, man? Uh, you know, I'm doing all right, Morgan. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously happy to be here once again. Uh, it's always a pleasure. But uh, I've gone through a little turmoil with my, uh, with my Jets, with my Nets, and uh, I'm ready to discuss it, though. You know, I've, yeah. I've had proper time to mourn and sort of gather my thoughts and sort of look at this with a holistic view and uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, man, this is a safe place. And, you know, for the viewers out mm-hmm. there, Dan is one of the biggest Nets fans I know, born in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So he started off as a New Jersey Nets fan, obviously, and has been with them thick and thin. And, you know, if you've been li- living under a rock, this is probably the most, probably the most infamous week in Nets history. They decided to pull the reboot and they trade away Kyrie Irving Sunday to the Mavericks. They surprisingly, but not surprisingly, trade away Kevin Durant Wednesday night to the Phoenix Suns. And so we'll get into the packages and the future and all that stuff. But just like in a vacuum, Dan, is this the worst day of your Nets fanhood? Like, where is this rank among like one of the worst days to be a Nets fan? You know, the, well, the worst day, it's not the worst day. The worst day was when this team moved across the river and uh, left New Jersey high and dry. But it's up there. It's definitely top five. Um, I thought game seven Durant's foot on the line was a really tough day. That was tough to get over. I'm still mm-hmm. getting over that, but um, yeah, I mean, this is not good. It's not good. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, I'm not going to, um, you know, try to give you some propaganda, but um, it's, it's, it's tough. It's very confusing too. Cause this team was playing pretty well leading into this, this past week. Uh, considering the fact that they don't have Durant for the past month and a half. 
And um, I thought we were trying to, you know, I thought, I thought we were at the point of, of turning a corner at, you know, in some way, but yeah. Um, yeah, this, this is tough. It's tough. It It's crazy, man. Like of all the Nets fans I've spoken to today and tonight's Thursday before the podcast drops Friday, every Nets fans like kind mm-hmm. of in shock. Like, it's almost like you guys are in a state of shock right now and you feel like it's going to wake up and Durant and Kyrie are going to be back on your team and you're going to be like fighting for that three or four mm-hmm. seed. But like, I do think for the viewers, it's important to paint this picture of like, this is without a doubt, <clears throat> probably the biggest failure, letdown, collapse, if you will, in like NBA history, right? We're talking two Hall of Fame caliber players, really three with with James Harden. And just to kind of like provide that history lesson, right? They came together in 2019, Kyrie and KD. They signed those big contracts. KD knew he was going to be out that first season with the Achilles injury. So it was just the Kyrie show, right? But he only actually played 20 games in the 2019-2020 season. They made the playoffs, but they got swept by Toronto, right? And then the next season wasn't really any better. KD returned, Kyrie battled injuries. They made the move for James Harden. And they only actually played like, three of their like eight total games that year together. And they end up losing in the, in the second round that you think that year up to the, that was the game against Giannis. They beat the Celtics in the first round. And then obviously last year was like, to me where it all fell apart. Right. Cause it was like, it was more about Kyrie versus the state of New York and the vaccine and less about him actually playing opponents. James demanded the trade. Obviously he gets traded for Ben Simmons. They, they lose in the first round of the Celtics. And so it's just crazy to me that Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, they didn't win anything. Like it's crazy to me that as you as a diehard Nets fan never went to an Eastern conference final game, let alone a final game. Like, isn't that just wild? It's, it's devastating, but I don't want to, I don't want to shift the blame here onto anyone else, but those three guys that you just mentioned, those three guys are the reason why those three guys didn't go anywhere. And each one of those guys has a part or has a share of the blame to be honest with you. And yeah, it, it was a short time, obviously. Well, let, let's, let's go back to the Toronto COVID. We, we said nobody in the bubble. We have a team of like Michael Beasley, Jamal Crawford in the bubble. Okay. That's year one. We let Durant, uh, you know, repair the Achilles, whatever. Yep. Heal up. We go into that next year with a lot of momentum, a lot of confidence. Kyrie and Kevin are playing great together. Even before James enters the picture, and again, Marks, I don't, I'll go on my Sean Marks tangent at some point during this podcast, but any GM, any fan, anybody in NBA signs up for what Sean Marks did, getting Durant yeah. and Kyrie in here together, and then also adding James Harden onto that. But yes, it was a very disappointing run. Absolutely. But it's like those three guys are the reason why that those three guys never won anything and Harden quit on the team. And, and wanted out. Kyrie wouldn't get vaccinated. And that's a whole other thing that we can get into. But Kyrie wouldn't get vaccinated. On top of that, being an awful, terrible teammate, like historically worst team sport teammate of all time. Probably the worst. And then, I would say the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you have Kevin, who never really displayed any true type of leadership, um, never really got his buddy, Kyrie under his wing and told him to calm down, simmer down. He didn't control Kyrie whatsoever, even though we took them in as a package deal. We also took their buddy in, DeAndre Jordan, which messed up the whole trade package with Harden. That ended up sending Jared Allen out, us keeping DeAndre Jordan. So it's like all these guys. It's the players' fault. 
it's a player's fault. Put a hand, yeah. Kyrie's whole body in there. Just, just is the reason why this all didn't come to fruition. Here, I agree. First off, I, here are the two stats that I think are the craziest things. When you look at back at this era, which I do think one day they're going to build like a 30 for 30 for this era. Cause I think there has mm-hmm. got to be so much shit that happened behind the scenes that you and I have no idea on. Like it's got to be one of the like crazier stories that's ever happened. Right. And mm-hmm. so the two things that stand out to me is since the 2019 season, right. They played three and a half more or less seasons together. Kyrie and Kevin played a total of 74 games together, including the playoffs. 74. Like, how crazy is that? Like, if I told you that in 2019, you would have thought, like, someone had a career-ending injury. Like, you couldn't fathom that they would both leave really healthy in 2023 and they played 74 games together. And they won the same amount of playoff series together as Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett did with the Nets. Like, that regime was as successful as the KD and Kyrie regime. And you probably, as a Nets fan, look back at those Garnett-Paul Pierce years as, like, the, the doldrums of being a Nets fan. So it's like... It's just crazy, man. Like, I I think as we get older and as this story gets more mature, like, it's going to look crazier and crazier. But it's just wild to me that it didn't work. But it's even wilder that it just, they never even came close to working. You know, it's not like they lost in the finals two years in a row. It just never even came close. Not, and it's like at the, at the entire time that this team was together, I think every gambling book had this team as, like, one of the top two, two best odds to win it all which is just crazy because on paper, this team had all the tools, all the makings to be a championship contending team. And we were never that throughout the whole tenure. That's what makes this whole entire era extremely frustrating. One of the biggest what ifs in NBA history, easily without a doubt, not a question. And it's also very sad to be a Nets fan, but I will, I'm sure we'll get into the trade packages itself. Yeah. Um, well, so my one question for you would be like, who is the one guy you put, like, is it Kyrie? Do you blame Kyrie for kind of poisoning the well? Or do you think it's a KD, like, if he just showed any ounce of leadership? Because, like, let's be honest, LeBron won with Kyrie. So, like, could, could is it on KD? Is it on Kyrie? Is it on Sean Marks? Who is that one person that you would put it all on? I, I put it all, and this might be a hot take. I, I put it all on Kevin Durant. I put it all, and, and I, I'm saying that, obviously, Kyrie, James, you know, everyone, but um, I, I put nothing on Sean Marks. I put a little bit on Joe Sy. I, I thought he was a terrible owner um, and still is. Um, but I, I, put a, I put a lot on Kevin Durant. And, and here's why. Because he picked the coach. He picked Steve Nash. And if you had the ultimate pleasure of watching Steve Nash coach, uh, God bless you, because he was one of the worst coaches I, I've ever seen. Yeah, the offensive playbook was just give it to Kevin and give it to Kyrie and let them do whatever they want. And it wasn't basketball. It wasn't basketball at the end of the day. The rotations were a mess. And Kevin Durant handpicked the coach. And that's why I get so frustrated when I hear these casuals and these Nets fans on Twitter talking about fire Sean Marks. It's like fire Sean Marks. He didn't pick the coach. Kevin picked the coach. Kyrie helped Kevin pick the coach. And Kevin did not keep his buddy Kyrie in check whatsoever. Kevin yeah. displayed no type of leadership whatsoever, like I said before. And and also, like, I don't blame this on Kevin, so to speak, but um, he, he got hurt a lot. And, yeah. and, and listen, we gave you $45 million that first year to get your Achilles right. Can you show a little bit of, of, of responsibility or respect towards the organization on the back end instead of signing the extension and then asking out 
literally like a couple days later. It's, it's just like we paid you to to get the Achilles right, and then you get in here, you twist your knee here and there, and listen. I know he came up big in that Buck series, and he he had James Harden on a on a flat tire, and that was it. Yeah, but um. It, it, a lot of it's it, on Kevin. I it think. was his team. At the end of the day, it was Kevin Durant's yeah. team. Kevin Durant is yeah. the best offensive basketball player of our generation, if not of all time. He I, I, has I, won championships, could... right? Like he's won with the Golden State Warriors. He mm-hmm. should know what it takes to win here. And like he should know because he's a mature guy. He should know what it takes. I, I agree. I think it's on Kevin as well. And you go from a super team and you got pissed off that nobody gave you credit for those rings that you won in Golden State. So you want to do it by yourself in Brooklyn. You had every opportunity and every chance to build something in Brooklyn, get the respect that you wanted, get the get the attention that you wanted and get the ring that you wanted all on you. Win it yourself, Kevin. Go do it. We gave you the team. We gave you good pieces to do it. And he didn't do it. Yeah. And. I, I think that falls on Kevin at the end of the day. Well, I think at the end of the day, he never wanted to be the guy. You know what I mean? Like no. he, act, I think no. he actually, and it, it's telling, right? Like he got traded to Phoenix and that was because he, I think he desperately wanted to go to Phoenix. It came out last year. He wanted to go to Phoenix. And so let's get into the trade package a little bit because last mm-hmm. night, Wednesday night, we wake up and I wasn't surprised at all when I saw I had a bunch of texts. I'm like, oh, Durant got traded, right? Um, he got traded to the Phoenix Suns for Mikel Bridges, who's one of my favorite basketball players. Awesome piece. Jay Crowder, who then got flipped, Cam mm-hmm. Johnson, who's a very good basketball player, and then four unprotected first-round picks, which is crazy. To get four unprotected picks mm-hmm. is relatively unheard of for a guy who like can't play more than 40 games a year. So KD or not, the fact that they got that package is insane. And frankly, man, like part of me thinks, like, are you relieved it's kind of over? Like I've heard from Nets fans, they actually enjoy the games more when Kyrie and Kevin were both hurt. Cause it just like was basketball. It wasn't like the show. Like, are you, were you relieved this morning when you saw that Kevin got traded in like a weird way? Yeah, it was weird. Like I, I wasn't like upset. Well, it wasn't like I was crying in bed when I woke up and saw the, uh, saw the news. It was just like, I was confused a little bit, obviously. Cause I'm like, you don't trade a guy like Durant really. Um, it's, it's pretty unheard of in NBA history to trade a guy this great, this good. Yeah. Um, but and then I saw what they got back, and I was like, "That's not bad. That's not a bad return for a guy who, again, is 34 years old, has had a ridiculously long injury history, dating back to his OKC days with the foot. Like everything is on the foot, the ankle, the knees with him, and he's a tall, lanky dude. I don't know how that's going to hold up a couple months from now. Who knows? And that's even, why those even picks, this year does he even come back this year? Yeah." that's what makes those unprotected picks so valuable and something that we might be talking about for a lot of years to come. If this goes sideways, cause it could, it's not a, it's not a, uh, not a great shot. I think this could be the ultimate Ewing theory, right? Like replacing, you know, the team getting better when you remove their superstars. And like, I mean, if you think about it from they trade Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney Smith, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, Mikel Bridges in five unprotected first round picks. Like that's an insane haul. And honestly, like this team is already pretty good. Like Cam is obviously awesome. Mikel is going to be a really good addition. Nick, Nick Claxton is a top three defensive player in the league. He's averaging the most blocks in the league. 
They have nice role players. They have a good coach. There is no reason this team can't maintain a like five or six seed. And all of a sudden, the GM that just got you three Hall of Fame players in the span of a year, he now has like seven first round picks over the next two years. Like, there's no reason that this guy can't turn it around. I mean, like, like I agree with you. I don't think it's Marx's fault at all. He got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to come to the same kind of no-name team. So mm-hmm. if I'm a Nets fan, I'm obviously sort of like embarrassed about the whole situation, right? It's an embarrassing thing for that not to work out. But at the same time, unlike the Pierce Garnett thing where you were stuck, if the Nets, and more importantly, if Sean Marks is able to turn this around easily, it could be a much more successful next five years than it was the past five years if he does it correctly and i think because of these young players that he has in place it he has the opportunity to do so but i don't know are you as confident as i am uh yeah i am and um i i what you said there i don't think it's embarrassing for the nets organization i more so i personally think it's more embarrassing on Kyrie and kevin i think it should severely hurt their reputation and legacy when we look back on their careers at this era, because I, I think this organization, I thought the GM did everything he's could. I, it, listen, it's hard to be a GM working in the margins of a luxury tax with a somewhat cheap owner that doesn't let you re-sign Spencer Dinwiddie with bird rights and is kind of controlling your pockets a little. I thought Sean Marks did a respectable, fine, acceptable job um, yeah. as GM during this era where we had really no cap space and really we were focusing on buyout guys taking minimum contracts and stuff like that so but yeah with marks um listen he came into this job and we had no picks we had no players and we had no future it was that bad when he came in here it was so bad when he was the gm so bad and he rebuilt it literally on the fly literally with late first round picks drafted karis lavert Jared yep. Allen, like in the twenties, second round pick guys, making these. He made a trade for Spencer Dinwiddie when Dinwiddie was like the thirteenth man on Detroit Pistons. He yep. makes that trade. Dinwiddie comes over here, like he made so many smart, great moves. Took big contracts that had picks attached to it. Just always made the right move. Then he got his, he got his, he got his big one. He got Kevin and Kyrie, and. I really hope the Nets give Sean Marks because I, I think Sean Marks is elite. I think, I think they he's will a top five GM. I, I hope they give him time to let him do this well, because he's got picks, he's got players, and he's got the ability to get some cap space. Because we, I still think we are an attractive destination for a top flight free agent. Well, once again, here, here's why I think Sean Marks is fine: is the fact that they traded Kyrie and Kevin, like the fact that ownership mm-hmm. was like we're sticking with Sean Marks, right? That like you yeah. know what I mean? Like they wouldn't have traded both of them. They would have fired Sean Marks or something else. Like the fact that they're like, Sean, you're going to continue. You're going to basically decide the future of the next 10 years of this. Kevin franchise. wanted him gone. Kevin yeah. wanted him gone. Kevin wanted uh, Marks gone. And they were like, no, we're not doing that. That's ridiculous. It's crazy, man. So here, here's one player. We, I don't want to get too much into projections, but here's actually, I think the superstar they're going to get this off season. That's going to change this fan base. And it actually makes perfect sense. If they pull this off. Mm-hmm. I think they're getting Trey young. I think Trey Young is the perfect replacement for this like Brooklyn Net team. He's kind of an asshole. He hates the Knicks. He loves the big market lights. Like they could use that true scoring point guard. Like, I don't know. I feel like Trey, he's obviously unhappy in Atlanta. They're not having a good season. 
I think he would be like, and I would love to get your opinion, but I think he would be the perfect fit as that first like mega superstar to come back and, and replace the guys like Durant and Kyrie. Wow. I didn't, I didn't even think of that. Can you imagine but that think, though? He's like such a boogeyman coming to Brooklyn. Like, I think he would give this like, fuck you attitude to the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know. But you gotta, you gotta think like how many shots is he taking away from Cam Thomas though? That's true. Day, he is, Cam Thomas is your guy. It, it, is Trey okay coming in being the second option to Cam? That's just something we'll have to work out before that, you know, before we cross the T's, dot the I's on that. But um, yeah, I didn't even, I, that, that's a good one. I didn't even think about that one. I was trying to think of like a free agent if we get the cap space going. Yeah, they have but, a lot of cap. Yeah, I, I think the number one thing I want to see is try to rebuild Ben Simmons in some type of way where he, he might be shot. I, I may have been wrong on that. I think he, he might be shot. I think, I think Ben just, I don't know what he is anymore, but um, I hope we can rebuild his value to a point where we could trade him again and he try to, to just use him as a salary cap. Yeah, because, well, um, you know, that's, I think that's important. I mean, so this team isn't bad. They're playing right now. They're they're tied against the Bulls with like six minutes left, so I'll update you on once mm-hmm. that game's over. But where do you see this team? Like, I, I personally think they're going to stay in the top six. I think they're actually – I would imagine that locker room was so toxic that like removing those two guys, I would imagine all the younger guys are probably pretty pumped in their own way. I know they said they aren't, but like, I don't know. I actually see them staying in a five or six seed, but as a Nets fan, like what would be a success for this year? Like staying in top six? I think we're the five seed right now. It's like, you know, we're still like sort of in like a playoff race right now. Yeah. Um, it's going to be hard to try to put all these guys together and try to build an offense literally from scratch. Cause we got like five new, six new rotation players going here. Yeah. Um, and I think offensively it's going to be a little bit of a struggle just because it's really just cam that can create their own shots to be honest. And um, I would like us to go a little heliocentric, just go cam and tell everybody, just get your hands ready, be ready to shoot and just clear out for cam. Because I think he's that really that special, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, we have so much wing depth; it's ridiculous. Because yeah, like this is this is all I wanted last year when we were playing the Celtics in the playoffs. Because we literally had nobody to throw at Tatum or Brown, and we were playing Goran Dragic, Patty Mills, and Kyrie all at the same time. And now we have like so many of these six foot six to six foot nine, like lanky uh, three and D guys, which. You know, I love in today's NBA. So I mean, Mikel is yeah, the no, definition this season, of that. Exactly. And uh, he grades so well in everything other than ISO um, and tell him to go create his own shot. He does everything else yeah. beautifully and perfect. I think um, they're going to be in a good spot, man. I do. I think, like, if I look at the standings, I think the top three seeds in the East are set. It's going to be Celtics, Bucks, 76ers in some order. I think it's going to be Celtics, uh, Bucks, 76ers as a three. I think the 76ers look a little shaky to me. Um, but I think then it's like a competition between the Cavs, the Heat, the Nets, and the Knicks, those four teams competing for four, five, and six. And actually, I, I actually think the team that will fall out is the Heat. I've seen them live a couple times this year. I just think they're gonna run out of gas. Like Kyle Lowry's washed. Jimmy Butler's not having the same year that he usually has. I think Tyler Hero mm-hmm. is one of the worst contracts in the NBA. Duncan Robinson is the worst contract in the NBA. I just don't know if like Eric Spolster is going to will them to a five or six seed. So my guess is it's some combination of those top three teams and the Cavs, Nets, and Knicks are all kind of battling it out. But 
We'll see, man. I, I, it's kind of fun though. Like, I mean, like New York basketball in a way feels more fun now because it's like this Knicks Nets both going for that top, you know, six seed. Um, but overall, I feel like Nets fans, like you should be bummed, but also like you're in a pretty good spot. Like you can't worry that much about it. Yeah. I, and I think this is going to be fun. You know, I wasn't a really, I didn't really know what to think, honestly, of, of the Vaughn, you know, coaching hire really. And he's been, you know, kind of great so far. Been awesome. And now he gets, now he gets a team full of these junkyard dogs and like these guys that wanted minutes that couldn't get minutes because they were in log jams. And, and guys that are fighting for contracts. So, like, Cam Johnson, like, you want your money, you're going to have the minutes and the shots. So go, go get your money. Cam Thomas, you were begging for minutes the whole year. Now you got 40 at night. Go ball. Yeah. So I, Anybody you want to get more value. I mean, you're out of the loop yeah. of shadow now. Go play. Let, let's go. And yeah. so th- this is going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm not going to say we're going to win a playoff series, but I want to get in there. I want to be one of the top eight. And, uh, you know, let's go fight. Let's go battle, see what happens. Maybe an injury falls our way or two. And, yeah, you know, who knows? Who knows? And then you have a million picks. I mean, so I think the Nets are, you know, I wanted to rag on you today, but I couldn't because I'm like, the packages are so good. So all in all, Nets Mm -hmm. fans should be happy. Um, But let's transition because I think, honestly, the Knicks have had a great last couple weeks. You know, they play tomorrow night against Mm -hmm. Philly in Philadelphia, but, They've won some big games lately. They won at home against Philadelphia just a week ago after losing that heartbreaking game to the Clippers. They won in Boston two weeks ago. And so the Knicks are tied for the sixth seed. They're technically in the seventh seed. Um, but they made it, in my mind, Dan, probably the most underrated move of the entire trade deadline, which was the Knicks bringing on Josh Hart. They traded away Cam Reddish, who was not playing. A very protected first-round pick that turns into second-round picks if they make just a play-in game, little in the playoffs. They gave away some some roster space as well. But they brought on Josh Hart, who you and I love. We're Villanova people. We love Josh Hart, probably one of the best college players I've ever seen. But the dude's a great rotation player. I mean, he's 6'5". He can play positions two through four. He's not a huge scorer. He only averages like 10 a night. But he's one of the best rebounding guards in the league. He's averaging eight rebounds a night. And he averages four assists. And so I think he's a really good like seventh, eighth man rotation piece for the Knicks. That could like, no, they're not winning a playoff series because of Josh Hart, but they could definitely solidify their team in a way that not a lot of guys at his level could. So I don't know. What were your thoughts when they, when they made that move? I loved it. I thought it was a great piece to add. Um, I know a lot of Knicks fans wanted to go star shopping and, you know, wanted the Levine move or, you know, big Siaka move or something crazy like that. Um, but yeah, this is a great move, sort of within the margins. Like it's not something that's uh, no. you know going to ESPN talking heads are going to talk about much. But um, yeah, you know I think Hart is a perfect plug and play guy, especially in the middle of a season um, where like I think the Nets might have trouble sort of building an offense from scratch. Like I said, but I think Hart's a guy where with the Knicks, like just throw him in the rotation. The guys know has the guy knows how to play basketball. Yeah, and he's you good can just throw player. him out there, and obviously the. Uh, you know, the, the familiarity with Brunson is going to help a lot. And I, I, I think it was because because when I watched the Knicks, and I don't know about you, but they always felt like one or two guys short. Yeah. Like in the fourth quarter where like it's a little bit – it's a little too much Grimes. And it's one little, guy's playing a little too much, yeah. Exactly. Well, dude, exactly. honestly, you know what might happen? I actually think he's going to push R.J. Barrett for minutes. I actually think that. 
Like RJ Barrett's not having a good year, but RJ has also no. developed a very short leash with Tom Thibodeau because he's starting off way too many games over seven, over eight, over nine. Also, the other aspect of it, he's playing horrific defense. His defense has totally regressed since he got into this league. And he can't hit his free throws late. Like he just has the opposite of the clutch scene at the free throw line. Whereas Josh Hart, you think about like he could play fourth quarters because he's just going to rebound the ball. He's going to pass the ball. He's going to get the ball into Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle's hands. He plays solid defense. And I think his defense will get better in like a defensive scheme. So I don't know. I actually could see him. I'm not saying he's going to start, but I do see him getting more than people think he'll get 15 minutes a game. I think he'll get more than that a game. And I could see him, to your point, pushing Grimes, pushing RJ, pushing some of these sort of younger guys out of the rotation in the fourth quarter in a big game where they just need someone who's going to play like consistent basketball. So I thought it was a great move, man. I thought it was a really good, to your point, kind of on the margin move, assuming that that first round pick doesn't convert, you know? Yeah, and I think I think what's what's important about the Knicks, obviously, get in those top six. Um, don't mess around. Don't don't be in the play and get in the top six. Yep. And I think this move's going to help do that, obviously. And yeah, you know, I, when I watch the Knicks in the fourth quarter, it's a lot of Brunson, obviously, and it's a lot of Randall. And it's like you kind of forget R.J. Barrett's even out there in the fourth. Yeah. Because like he's not even really touching the ball. Because why would you if Brunson's got a thirty-two and Randall's got 24 and RJ's, you know, four for 17. So like, I, I, I think the heart move, it, he's going to be a great locker room guy. He's going to be great everywhere else. And it, it's just a great it's move. Just a good move. Yeah. He's not, he's, he's not going to drop 40 in the garden. He's never going to drop 40 in the garden, but he's always going to give you like 10 to 15 points. He might have like a 14 rebound game or like a 12 assist game out of nowhere. And he just plays really hard and he yeah. knows how to play and he and knows he's where gonna, to like, go. He's going to have that game where he gets a game winning rebound and gets fouled. You know what I mean? Like that classic, just like it's yeah. a scrappy rebound and gets fouled and he ices the game, something like that. So I, I think in all, it's a great move. And I also love, they didn't like you and I both know that if you want that true star, it doesn't happen at the trade deadline. Like obviously the James Harden thing mm-hmm. was different, but most of the time, if you want like a new cornerstone franchise piece, it doesn't come at the trade deadline, right? It comes in the off season where you have time to truly evaluate these players, talk to your team, talk to the front office. Like it doesn't come because someone all of a sudden offers you a star player at like two o'clock on the trade deadline. Right. And so I hate that phrase. Sometimes the best move is the one you don't make, but I do think that giving up the farm for Levine because Chicago dangled him at the last second would have been foolish. Now I would have been pumped in the moment, but I think staying the course, just like the Nets and Sean Marks did a couple years ago, they stayed the course, they brought on good contributors, and then they kind of made their move. I think that's what Leon Rose and the team are trying to do too. So as a Knicks fan, you gotta be you gotta be pretty pumped. Yeah, and I, I think I think with the Knicks and the Nets, because they're in the same city. So I'm gonna put them together here. But like with that next superstar that comes out, the next Kevin Durant, the next Kyrie, the next Donovan Mitchell, whatever, that says I want out, the Knicks and the Nets are gonna be one of the preferred destinations more than likely um, if they are well run. And I think both are at at this point, they're not disastrous front offices and um, they're going to be on the list. And I think you just wait for the right guy. I think you're right. Making that move for Levine is, is is not the move you want to make. If you're, if you're the next, just wait a little bit. I, you know, come on. Someone will Let's be disgruntled. At, you know, like a Dame what, will be disgruntled, or one of those guys will become a disgruntled. Like no one thought Donovan Mitchell was going to get moved two years ago. 
but look what happened, yeah. right? So you just never know until the off season, which is when guys truly decide they're, you know, they're upset. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and you got to look in the mirror here because I, I don't think any one of us has beaten Giannis or Tatum or exactly. Rasid and Harden this year. So like, let's just breathe a little bit and wait till the summer. Exactly. Um, real quick. I just want to see any other trades that stood out to you. Like the big one was obviously D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook then went to the Utah Jazz. I don't know. I, the Lakers also got a couple other guys. They got bowl. It sort of felt to me like the Lakers were like rearranging the chairs in the Titanic. It was kind of like weird to watch. Like mm-hmm. they're the worst defensive team in the NBA. They gave up like 140 points the other night to OKC in LeBron's really weird ceremony game. Like we didn't, we won't talk about that, but that was like one of the weirder things I've ever seen. Why are they trading their best yeah. defensive player, Pat Beverly, for? I, I just didn't get it at the whole bull bull thing. So I don't know. What what were your thoughts on the whole Lakers thing? Like, do you think they make a run or is this just kind of like embarrassing to watch? It's very weird, I guess. I mean, I, I, I think everyone sort of liked the, uh, the D'Angelo Russell move until Durant came down. And it's like, he just kind of gave up that first round pick for what, to yeah. be honest. But um, yeah, it's a little of like, let's just fight, try to see if we could do something with LeBron here keep them happy, keep them at bay. But um, yeah, it's, it's the Beverly for Mo Bamba was, was just like. Or Mo Bamba, right. I thought it was Bob. Yeah. Bamba, yeah. Same thing. Um, he's not even that good. So it's just like, I, I don't know what that really does for you, but um, he can thought, shoot that they needed shooting. So I, I they don't, they got to open up that floor a little bit. It was weird. I don't think they make the playoffs. They're in like the 13 right now, I think. Right. I think they're in the 13 seed in the West. And so I just yeah, don't see them. I don't see them making a run. I mean, maybe if LeBron turns back the clock, but like AD, like doesn't even want to be there. It, it's just the whole situation is really weird. Like I've never seen that big of a superstar just like have a team around. Like this would just never happen to Jordan, right? And this wouldn't happen to Giannis. Like it just there's certain guys mm-hmm. it just wouldn't happen to. So it's weird seeing LeBron like probably miss the playoffs two years in a row. And like, yeah, he's older, but he's still averaging really good numbers. He's still playing really good ball. So I don't know. The whole situation to me is very bizarre, and it's like. I'm glad I'm not a Lakers fan. That seems way worse than being a New York fan. And, and I have no sympathy for LeBron. Absolutely zero sympathy. Like Kevin and like Kyrie, he built this. He made the shit sandwich. Now you got to eat it because <laughs> you sign these guys. I mean, he's the one that built this team. Yeah. So like, yeah, you got stuck with Westbrook because you wanted Westbrook. And now you had to be creative and make these moves and like, it's sort of like a new start for them, but like you're so far behind already that like can you it's sort of like any of these teams. Like, can you figure this out on the fly? Cause at the end of the day, it's basketball, just throw the ball out there, let them ball. But like it is kind of hard um at the end of the day just to to get the cohesiveness cohesiveness yeah, the down and everything. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I'm um, glad the Celtics didn't make a move. I was pumped for them. Like, thank God they didn't make this big splash because like they finally have this amazing chemistry going on with with Brown, with Tatum, with Horford. Like, I'm glad they're like, you know what? You guys do your own thing. They made a couple smaller moves, but like, you know, overall they didn't disrupt anything. So I like when teams do that. I mean, the other thought, the other thing I thought was interesting and I was kind of excited about this is that the Raptors ended up not trading away anyone. And they actually added Jacob Podal from, from the Spurs. Like, so that tells me they're, they think they can make the play-in tournament. And honestly, they're a team that if they make the play-in tournament, you do not want to play them. Like Anobi, Fred Van Fleet, now Podal and um, Siakam, like 
that's a scary team, man. I would not want to play them as like a nine seed. Like that would be terrifying, you know? Yeah, and, and Van Fleet hasn't even played well this year. He's just been in a yeah. bad shooting slump. Like if he's able to somewhat turn that around at, at some point, yeah, it's they're going to be kind of uh, kind of pesky and someone you just don't want to play in that first round. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot, just a crazy deadline. I don't really really remember this weird. The deadline being as as weird as this one, just with all like the moves going on. Golden State getting Gary Payton back. Yeah, like, I, I think our boy that was Sadiq bigger. Bay, Sadiq Bay yeah. on the Hawks. That's a big move. Yeah, like a lot of like big pieces. I thought it's guys that could score, going places. So um, also, yeah, did, like, was, was did we did we miss the memo on the second round picks? Why were why was their teams trading five <laughs> second round picks? Why is that a thing? Is it like Jay Crowder got moved for five second round picks? Why is that like that happened four uh, times today? Second round picks are meaningless. It's like toilet paper. You just throw it down the toilet at the end of the day. Well, I guess uh, not really doing anything with it. Listen, your two starters, Nick Claxton was a second round pick, and so was Cam Thomas, right? Uh, I think they're both. Yeah. I think they're both second round picks. I'm like pretty sure. Marks has had like a really good second round in his tenure, I think. Um, Like late, late first or early, early second. I'm pretty sure. I I want to say both were like that last pick in the first round or something. Either way, though, it's it's just I don't know. It was just kind of funny to see. I, I real quick, I, I want to mm-hmm. look at what Nick Claxton was drafted, just because I'm now curious. Nick Claxton, you're right, 31st overall. No, yes, yeah. yeah. So 31st, yeah. So 31st is what the last? No, that's the first pick of the second round, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I remember that draft too because yeah. I really wanted them to draft. I think that was the Kevin Porter draft. I really wanted to draft Kevin Porter Jr. 2019. Yeah. Yeah, and I really wanted to get Kevin Porter Jr. and they were sitting there and they kept trading back and I'm like, why are you trading back? Why do you just take this kid? And I think he went like 29th or something, 28th. They took Claxton. I was like furious in the moment. And Claxton's just developed into something that like I didn't really didn't see coming. I thought he would be nothing more than like a eight and eight, just a yeah. big man that can rim run. But he's he's really turned a corner this year and it stinks because we got him for like two years, like 17 million. So we have him next year, but then we're not able to re-sign him because you got to sign the guy for like more than two years or something. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. I don't know how they're going to get him back. I don't know. It's, now you're you gonna just ride that wave, like 30 million. You just ride yeah. that kind of that guy's wave. You're right. Cam Thomas mm-hmm. was the first round pick. He was 27, so he was very late first round. But mm-hmm. point being, it was just a weird deadline. Um, but all in all, I would say to just kind of like bookend the NBA stuff, Nets fans. Yeah it feels like you got out of that really shitty relationship that all of your buddies are telling you to get out of in like in a week, you're going to be like, all right, that was probably good that we got out of that. Like, you know what I mean? Like it had to end and I'm kind of glad for Nets fans that it ended. Um, It's the girl that cheats on you and you're like, no, like she's a good girl. Like, and all she's pretty at like the Thanksgiving table and whatnot, but like, no, she's so hot, like so hot. Like she's so hot. (laughs) You can't like, you can't break up with her. And then she breaks up with you and then like you have to move on, but you're like kind of relieved. You don't have to deal with that, but you're like, she's so hot. So like, yeah, I think it works out. I think in about a week, you're going to be like, I can't believe I will find someone better. You will definitely find, we're going to find someone better. And the Knicks are in a good spot too. So I think NBA New York is good. Um, It's going to be a fun next couple months. I'm I'm pretty pumped. Um, I want to real quick, Dan, I know we only have a couple more minutes left. I do want to very quickly rotate to the Super Bowl. Feels like 
I don't know. Like, have you noticed the Super Bowl? Like, I'm very amped for the Super Bowl, and I think everyone's very excited for it. But there's been less talk, and maybe because it's the NBA stuff. Um, I also yeah. feel like it's one of those games where just no one knows. Like, actually, no one knows it's going to happen because you have this Eagles team, right? That has just totally steamrolled everyone in their path, and it was because they played the Giants, because they played an injured San Francisco team. But they've won a combined 69 to 14. So you have that angle. And then you have the Patrick Mahomes angle. You're like, you can never count out Patrick Mahomes. I feel like no one's talking about the Super Bowl because no one just knows what's going to happen. So it just sort of feels like that wait and see kind of thing. But I don't know, like, what are your, what are your thoughts as we now are, you know, roughly 48 hours away from, you know, the biggest football game of the year? I think as as an NBA fan and, a, and an NFL fan, I think the NBA trade deadline just sucked all the energy out of the uh, the metaphorical room just because, like, everyone's attention and sort of, like, sports juice is just all on the uh, the NBA trade. They got to figure this out. They got to just stagger them somehow. They got to punt that a week. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, but now we just sort of rotate to the Super Bowl. And, like, yeah, I think what you said was, was pretty accurate there. Um, it's it's like it's a great Super Bowl like on paper, but it's also like just kind of weird. I don't know. It's just like um, you don't you don't know. It, but I'm yeah. also like I'm not like it's weird. I'm so I'm excited for it in that I like having a team to root against. And I'm obviously rooting against the Eagles. I think most of the country is rooting against the Eagles because like the Eagles fan base is like sort of turned it up too much. Like the whole videos of them like throwing stuff at the 49ers fans is just kind of like weird, like relax. Mm -hmm. You're in the, you're in the conference finals, like relax. Um, But they're favored by one and a half. I just have no feel for this game because on one side of me, I always think Dan, like bet, never bet against the greats, right? You don't bet against Tom Brady. You don't bet against Nick Saban. You don't bet against Victor Cruz. You know, there are certain guys you just don't bet against. But then on the other side, you have the Eagles who are like, you never bet against a team that is super hot, right? Like they're just steamrolling everyone. My gut says the Eagles cream them, but at the same time, I'm like, do you bet against Mahomes? I don't know. Like a gun to your head, who do you think wins this game? Yeah, it's like if if you were to bet on this game, like you feel better if the Eagles win and you bet on Mahomes than if you bet on Hurts and the Chiefs win. Um, just exactly, because, yeah. like yeah, like, what like why said, would you bet against like, Pat Mahomes, right? Exactly, and and also, and also because you know Hertz hasn't really looked that great, um, especially since coming off the injury, um, and I, I I personally really like the Chiefs in this game just because um, I I think if you could get the Eagles down like fourteen nothing twenty one nothing. Yeah, like just get a lead on them, like this substantial lead. I think you really just throw them all out of sorts a little bit because you just get them off what they want to do, and I think that's always an advantage when you get the team to do what they don't want to do. Um, so he also hasn't had to play from behind since like the Washington game. You know what I mean? Like to yeah. your point, like he hasn't. Every single game has been an absolute trouncing, and to their credit, they knocked Purdy out of that game because they blitz the crap out of them in like the first play of the game so it's not their fault that Purdy got hurt or it's not like you know they're not unlucky they totally forced that injury in a good way um my my gut actually man is I think if I'm betting on this game I'm taking the over I think there's gonna be a lot of points I think Mahomes will be fine he'll find his way to 28 30 points the over is 50 I could easily see this game being like I don't know like 32 28 that kind of game like I don't know I just feel like it's gonna be a very Mm -hmm. high scoring game 
no defense has like ever really shut down Pat Mahomes. Um, and I think this could be the Patrick Mahomes legacy game. It could. He doesn't have a legacy game yet. Like he doesn't actually have a game that was like that's the Pat Mahomes game. You know what I mean? Like I guess you could say it's the Bills game when they won in the divisional uh divisional round last year, but that was more about Josh Allen and the Bills kind of like messing it up. So I feel like this could be the Mahomes game, but I think overall it's just going to be a very high scoring, like fun Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a like every drive is going to be fun. Every prop that people bet on is going to win. It's just going to be a fun game. Like I'm, I'm very excited as a neutral fan to just be able to sit down and watch this game for a couple hours. Yeah. And you, and you know, the NFL is going to make sure it's close. You know, the NFL is going to make sure that a couple blown calls are going to happen at late in the game to, uh, to keep the interest up and keep the uh, keep the yeah, attention exactly. on them, um, but uh, no, in all seriousness, like, yeah, I think we got. I what I like uh, all I lo- love about this is that this season we got the two teams right. We got the Super Bowl right. The two teams yeah. that should be in the Super Bowl are in the Super Bowl um, with some teams that you know had a case, but ultimately, like, I think we got the two teams right. And uh, yeah, I think we're gonna get a great game. Like I said earlier, I really like the Chiefs in this, just because um, I think, and I like the experience of being in a big game. Whereas this Eagles team, like, yeah, they won the Super Bowl like four or five years ago, but twenty eighteen, yeah, like that's it's a totally different team. It's like literally a totally different team, minus like a couple core guys that are on the offense or defensive line. So. Um, yeah, and, and, and the whole coaching staff with the experience of the Chiefs, like they've been, yep. they've done this before and they've been here before, so um, it, it's going to nope. be great. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped, man. Um, so last two housekeeping items. Um, I've kept you way too long. Your Nets won. They're up 11 with 50 seconds left, so that's a good win for the Nets. Thank you. Nothing like yep. uh, I won't say the line, but nothing like getting a win right after that. You know, <laughs> I think everyone knows what I'm saying. But it's good to get back in the saddle yeah. for the Nets. That's good for them. And your boy Sauce Gardner, Defensive Player of the Year, or uh, yeah, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Sorry, I know everyone saw that coming. But it's good for for Sauce he Gardner. He needs his roses. He needs his roses, man. He uh, he's the real deal, man. We won't get in the NFL. We won't get in the Jets now. But he is the real deal, and that is definitely going to be the first of many awards for sauce Gardner. That dude is legitimately the best corner in the league. And he's the youngest, you know, he's the youngest player, one of the youngest players in the league too. So um, all in all, man, let's not talk jets. Let's not talk jets. My blood pressure is already too high. No, no, no. I don't need to get this. You enjoy this night. Enjoy the net. No, enjoy the night in that nets one, your boy got honored and it's going to be a great weekend coming up with the Super Bowl. So with that, um, Dan, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate your time as always. You are the spokesman for the New Jersey slash Brooklyn Nets. So appreciate you. And we'll uh we'll have to talk again soon. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you. Appreciate you always. Uh best of luck. And um yeah, I, I wish nothing but the best for Knicks fans and you guys this year. Likewise, Hope man. you guys really uh finish the year strong. So uh thanks, Morgan. Thanks for having me on and, and let me vent a little bit. This was very it was therapeutic. It was very exactly. therapeutic for me. I can tell. Um, I can I, tell. I got I got a lot off my chest and now I can breathe and like go to bed and not cry. Uh, there you go. So That's great. what I'm here for, man. Anyway, thanks Thank Dan. You, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right. It was great chatting with my buddy Dan. Uh it's gonna be a very fun weekend. Just a couple quick reminders. Knicks play a huge game tonight in Philadelphia against the 76ers. So make sure you watch that. Um, if you like the show, The Last of Us, that actually comes out tonight and not Sunday because of the Super Bowl. So get ready for that episode tonight. 
And for guys out there, don't forget Valentine's Day is Tuesday. Most flower shops are saying you got to pre-order, so make sure you do that. And have a great weekend. Hope the Super Bowl is a great game. I do think it's going to be very tight. Um, But let's go Chiefs, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.